0: Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Today again in our series out of Proverbs, the book full of principles to live by, that can change our life, our destiny, our future in so many ways. Today we're broaching another difficult subject, probably not as difficult as last week, parenting and all that stuff, but honesty and dishonesty. That's, that's one that we need to really look at today. And um, this is a character quality that we all need to pay close attention to. It's one of the Ten Commandments, actually. It's the Ninth Commandment, and that is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We shorten that often by saying, you shall not lie. That's basically the gist of it. And what God gave us, the Ten Commandments, he he was establishing a civilized society. There are Ten Commandments, and it's the foundation of society. Uh, A civilized society is a society that's governed by moral laws. There has to be absolutes. There just can't be anything goes. That's how you feel and live that way. Or this is what you desire, well, those desires could be sinful. You know, it's not, it's not like that. A civilized society can't exist under anything goes. There has to be right and wrong moral absolutes. And so those were laid down, and uh, there has to be this objective morality, and that morality, again, is based on the Bible, on Scripture. The Bible's been around for a long time. Truth has been around for a long time. Many people who've been living by truth have been around for a long time, all right? So we have this absolute, so we have an absolute to base that morality on, Uh, but this was a legal commandment. He's actually saying when you go to court, don't perjure yourself. That's really what he's saying, don't bear false witness. Bear means to testify or answer. When you're asked a question, you answer. False means lying. Witness means testimony. So what he's saying here is when you're asked a question, do not answer with a lying testimony. That's really what he's saying here. This is really important for us to understand that God was trying to help us uh, set up a society. Well, back then especially, he's laying this down, sets up a society that would love God and love other people. That's what he was after these commandments really are about that. And when you think about it, this is really an extremely important commandment because of how disputes were settled back then. Disputes were settled when they called the elders of the city. The elders were generally men 50 years old or older. So you had the elders of the city from a tribe or uh, something like that, one of those communities. They would call them to the city gate, and it would be men 50 years and older, and they would come to the, to the gates to hear the case, and a man would present his case, and another man would present his side. So, what was the main way that they were to determine or decide guilty or innocence? Because back then, you didn't have criminologists, you didn't have DNA evidence, you didn't have fingerprints To deal with back then, the only thing that you really had, the main thing that you had to settle a case back then was testimony. That would be the evidence that you would go by. I mean, if you had a dead body, you wanted to know who did it, well, you had to figure out, who were the witnesses here? You had to run to the witnesses. And this is why God said, you should not bear false witness. And this is very, very important. And it's always on the mouth of two or three witnesses that it shall be established according to the scriptures, not just one witness. Now, in ancient history, cultures, uh, there was, uh, had they have really had stiff perjury laws as well. All the cultures had this. Ancient Greece, for instance, if you lied on the stand, you were given a very, very stiff penalty, uh, a very heavy fine. And if you lied like three times, then all your civil liberties were taken away. Your civil rights were gone. Now, in Egypt, if you lied on the stand or under oath, they would amputate your nose and ears. So that was pretty easy to tell who the liars were in society. There goes one. Now, it was even worse in Rome. In Romans, in the Romans, if you lied on the stand, you were hurled off an 80-foot-high rock. That's the end of it there. So cultures took this very seriously. And that's where you get this oath that we take often in America, which I think they're trying to do away with, where you put your hand on the Bible and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Anybody here done that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know that might be a little embarrassing. (laughs) No, but there's lots of reasons why you may have to do that. So, when it comes, this is that basically where that comes from, and we need to understand that there is a moral code that God was trying to implement through the Ten Commandments, now, I'm not concerned whether somebody's going to like lie and send somebody to the electric chair, but what I am concerned about, I think what we all need to be concerned about, is that we don't violate the principle that's behind this commandment, and that's the principle of honesty, and that's where we're going after today. Now, if I were to ask the question here today, are you a liar? Or you might respond real quick by saying, no, I'm not a liar. What are you talking about? I'm not a liar. Now, if I say, well, now, wait a minute, be honest. Come on, let's all Be honest. All right, I might have fudged the truth here and there, you know. That fish I caught last summer really wasn't five pounds. It was really a pound and a half, I mean. Oh, so what? I've, I fudged it three and a half pounds. What's the big deal? Come on. I know when they took the picture, I held it way out here. Um, you know, all right, I exaggerated a little bit on that story. Yeah, we all kind of go there and do that kind of stuff. But we don't consider ourselves outright liars. Well, today, we're going to look at three areas of honesty, honesty with ourselves, honesty with others, and honesty with God. Now, why is that important for our own life? Why is this important to tackle this tough topic? Let's begin with the first one. I'll be honest with myself, personal honesty. Now, again, we're looking at the book of Proverbs, where we're dealing with some of this, this book of wisdom, unique book, because unlike the other 65 books of the Bible, uh, it's, it's a little different the way it's put together. For instance, in one of the other books of the Bible, if you're reading a verse and you come up on verse six and you go, oh, I'm not sure about that verse six, you kind of back up and read a couple verses before it because that ties into the verse that you're trying to understand and you read things in context and it brings a greater understanding. It kind of flows pretty good. Proverbs isn't always like that. Proverbs is really just kind of a bunch of unrelated verses, these principles all kind of tied together uh, and they don't really support one another. It's just like this, 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 and you read through it, and you go, I think I lost my train of thought here. What's going on? And, and it could be like that. You've got to read it real slow. But what we're going to look at today in Proverbs, we actually have a few verses that actually do tie together. They kind of build on each other. This will make it really interesting for us. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4 and read a few verses that link together. Now, uh, verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4 says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So, first of all, it's talking about honesty and what we think. Starts with the heart, soul, and the mind. This is the thinking side of us. Do I always think what I should think? Or is my thought life not always what it should be? Proverbs 4:24: Put away from your deceit dece- from you a deceitful mouth and Put away perverse lips far from you. So not only what I think, but am I honest in what I say? Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. So now it's honest what I see. Do I always look where I should look or do I look where I shouldn't look? Proverbs 4.26, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. So now it's where I walk, where I go. Do I go where I shouldn't go? Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Am I, always, am I always honest in what I do? What I do. So you got five things right here tied together. What I think, what I say, what I see, what I walk, and what I do. That pretty much covers every area of your life when it comes to personal honesty. And honesty does touch every area of our life. Now, when you look at a list like this, we kind of tend to want to gravitate to the things that we're really good at. Well, you know, I, uh, I got a pretty good thought life. I don't, I don't have stuff to deal with there. I, I think I'm pretty good things all the time. Or, yeah, I, I, I tell the truth. I, I'm a truth teller. I, you don't have to worry about that. I, I, I talk, I speak the truth like I'm supposed to, and, and we, you know, we kind of want to go there and... And we want to avoid those uncomfortable places those that we're not real good at. Well, my thought life, well, it's not really so good. I mean, you know, I think about stuff I probably shouldn't. And, and, uh, but you know what? Uh, it doesn't mess me up totally. And, and, you know, I can kind of go there, but I can bounce back out of there, and I'm okay. And, you know, and then we kind of justify it. You know, that's where the dishonesty slips in. Well, it's really not that bad. Or, you know, I, I do go where I shouldn't go, but other people who go there, and when they go there, they, it doesn't bother them, and they're fine. So, you know, I don't know if it's really that bad. Maybe I shouldn't go there, but, you yeah, know, come on. And, and we start glossing things over a little bit, you know. Isn't that kind of how it works? It kind of, how about that verse? Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Hmm. Am I always honest with what I look at? Or should I not look at some of the things I look at? You know, this could start when we're real young. Maybe in high school. Pop quiz. Oh, man, I wasn't ready for this one. And, and you're on that question that you don't really know the answer, and so you're kind of going, you look at the guy next to you. you know, A, B, C, or D? Ah, oh, C, good. Oh, hey, that worked pretty good. I mean, it's just one time. Come on. I'll never do that again. Of course, the next text. Test. Yeah, I was up late last night. Oh, boy, that worked good for me last time. You know, I mean, And what happens is we fudge a little bit in an area, and we go where we'd never gone before maybe, and then we think, well, that wasn't so bad, you know. And, and then we kind of, all of a sudden, we have a path that we've blazed that we start walking on all the time without any conviction that we shouldn't be doing. But it starts in the really small ways, the little small points of dishonesty in our life that creeps in and starts showing up. Now, it is the tiniest ways, but it can grow over time. Now, if you look back on your life and you've, you analyze those areas where you begin to struggle, areas of your life where it was difficult, that's where you had trouble, that's probably where the dishonesty began to creep in. It's kind of how it happens. Now, the hardest people to help are the dishonest people. People who won't be honest with themselves. I mean, you can't help a person who won't be honest with themselves, living in denial. I mean, you can't pin them down. It's never their fault. I mean, they've always got an excuse. God's always got a reason. Rationalize and justify and this and that. And, and you, just can't, you just can't help them. God won't help them if you don't help yourself. You can't be honest with yourself, in other words. Because none of us can really help ourselves unless God steps in but it begins with honesty so here's the problem what um, well especially if I don't know if you ever run into somebody maybe you're in this position now I don't know but you've been so hurt by your past and you've never dealt with it you never allow God to come in and receive his healing for the pain and the problems of the past and if you've never taken that step and I know people that haven't that it's really hard to work with them because they can't be honest with themselves. They never faced the truth and therefore still living in some type of self-deception to get by in life. Makes it really difficult. Maybe you've dealt with this where you said to somebody, hey, you, you messed up over here and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a terrible person. No, you're not a terrible person. You just made a mistake over here. Oh, no, I know, I just, I'm a terrible person. Can't, can't admit. Or, or, Dealing with a perfectionist, I mean, perfectionists, they can't admit their fault and, and not being honest. Can't admit that they've done something wrong. We've all had moments like that in life. Can't get by it. It's part of, being, part of growing up in this broken world and growing in honesty ourselves. Now, if we have an area that we're struggling with in life and won't be honest with it, then we'll never be free. You have to have an accurate, clear diagnosis of the problem. Then you have to own the problem, be honest about the problem, or get ready for the same old, same old. Never get free. Same old patterns. So learning to be honest with ourselves is critical. That's where it begins. That's how we got born again. We came to Jesus. We were, had an honest moment with God about our own condition a life without him, and our need for him, and bam, something transpired in that moment that was powerful. Now, we also have to be honest with others. Uh, out of my personal honesty, then comes a relational honesty, that I can be honest with you as I communicate with you. Now, Proverbs twelve seventeen says this, He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. We're going to look at that word again, deceit little bit more soon. But deceit, the spirit of deceit is a real thing. It's something we're contending against. Now, it starts with the most basic. In order to be honest with others, I need to speak the truth. Um, I have to be honest with myself and I have to speak the truth to other people. The Bible talks about speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love. Now, there's a married couple, let me just tell you this, they, they were driving down the road and uh, They've been married forever. And the husband was driving too fast. He was speeding. Looks in his rearview mirror and sees the lights. He's like, oh boy. So he pulls over on the shoulder and, and uh, the highway patrol officer walks up. And uh, as he's walking up there, he looks at his wife and goes, I can't believe I was speeding. and no, of yeah, I don't have my seatbelt on. This is terrible. This is horrible. So the officer comes up to him and asks the driver for his driver's license, his driver's registration and all that. And, and he said, I noticed you've been speeding, sir. And then I also noticed that your seatbelt is unbuckled. And the husband jumps on that and says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I have my seatbelt buckled. I just unbuckled it while you were walking up here because I was anticipating that you were going to need to get my driver's license and see that. So I was getting it out of my wallet. I had to unbuckled to do that. And, and uh, you probably just didn't see me do that. That's all. And, and I'm sure my wife will bear me out on that one. So the policeman kindly leans over and he says, ma'am, is he telling the truth? Did he have his seatbelt buckled? And the dear woman looks up at the officer and says, officer, if there's one thing that I've learned in the 43 years of marriage is not to go against him while he's drinking. (laughs) Oh man, brutal honesty, truth to the core. Put the nail in the coffin. The Bible does say speak the truth, right? Well, let's let another part of that equation is speaking the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4 15 says, Speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth, growing in truth, has to do with our own maturing and growing up according to the scriptures. It's really important. Not just speaking the truth, they speaking speak in love. Now, we don't come from a culture today that really values honesty. Um, our culture really doesn't put a value on that. It, it, it's Basically, our culture says it's okay to lie, as long as you don't get caught. I mean, if you could get all the way through the lie to the end and without getting caught and, and nailed, then it's like, hey, way to go. I mean, politicians, we see it all, all the time in the political arena now. They make up stories about each other. They lie about each other all the way on oath and everything else. And if they can get a person wrongly convicted, convicted even or convince the public that they've been lying or that they haven't been lying but they are lying then they, and they win, then they're, it's all okay. Everybody's like, yeah, we got them that time. Yeah, way to lie, man. You're the best liar. Thank you. And they take pride in it. And it's really sad. Somebody said if you lie enough, pretty soon you'll start believing it. That's part of... Uh, um, uh, I guess, a part of a war tactic, I guess, that people use, whatever. And so you see this all the time. This is what our culture has become. Honestly, has been thrown out the window and it's really sad. Now, um, there's a movie called The Out-of-Towners. Anybody ever seen the movie Out-of-Towners? There's two versions of it. It's, it's really hilarious. I remember watching it like 40 years ago when it came out and it was just hilarious. And they redid it about 40, uh, they redid it recently not recently, but they did redo it. You know, when you get to our age, we think everything's recent. It's like,, eh, it's recent. that well, it was 50 years ago.. Shh. Yeah. Anyway,s kind of I'll tell you about it just briefly. Steve Martin and Goldie Hahn are in the movie, and, and it's an interesting plot because it, um, they find themselves uh, first of all, Steve Martin is lying to Goldie Hahn. Goldie Hahn is lying to Steve Martin. And the climax is on this huge confrontation. Uh, in the scene, in the middle of downtown New York City. And and they've just been lying to each other. He's been lying to her. He lost his job. He got fired. She doesn't know it. And they're in New York City because he's getting an interview. He's going for a job interview. And she's thinking, well, if he doesn't get the job, it's not a big deal. We got his job back home. But he's like, I have to have this interview go well. I got to get this job because I don't have my job anymore. So he's been lying to her about this. Now, um, he, she's been lying to him about their oldest daughter who's in college and flat broke. So she's been sending the credit card, sending cash just to get her by. And now it comes to a head because they're in New York City. They need a hotel room. Steve Martin grabs that credit card that they've never used, he thinks, to get a hotel, but they can't because it's maxed. He's like, what? Who's been using this credit card? And he's just done. He's like, you've been lying to me. You have been honest with me. They're going back and forth. So the remake of the movie, the updated scene, is with Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn. He says to Goldie Hawn, you're lying. And she responds, I'm not lying. This has been a harmless, incremental accumulation of half-truths. <laughs> and then, then he's, she says, you've been lying to me. And he says, it isn't lying. This is the 90s. That's what they call spin. <laughs> hmm. Of course, we're beyond the 90s, and we are experiencing what is talked about in Romans chapter 1, where it says they have posed the truth, and they've received a lie. They've embraced the lie. That's why we have a whole generation that's so screwed up about their sexual identity, because everything's relative. It's all about inclusion. You know, if that's what you feel and that's what you desire, then run with it. They've opposed the truth to embrace a lie because inclusion. You know, inclusion won't keep you out of hell. Do you know that inclusion isn't love when they're running headlong straight into a disastrous life? Truth in love. Truth in love is love and will save them and deliver them. And so the Bible says, speak the truth in love and that's Critical. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we live by him and his counsel, and the truth, the Holy Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. Now, if I uh, divide this room in half and say, okay, all the people who just believe, tell the truth. You're running over here. Okay, truth. How about you, go? you guys are real softies over here, right? And... And so the truth side's like, man, I just tell the truth. If you can't handle the truth, boy, you better buck up because I'm just gonna throw it down. You know, that's what we do. We just throw the truth down and they just need to receive the truth. And you can give them the truth. Now I get it. I get it. I'm a truth guy. But how I many think there might be a little bit of love missing there? <laughs> and they kind of feel beat up and bruised and run over a little bit. So that's where the love side comes in. And uh, those of you who are on the extreme love side, you know the importance of truth, but you kind of want to ease them into it. Because you don't want to hurt their feelings too bad and derail them and mess them up, right? Uh, so let's not just say they're fired. Let's just say they've been temporarily displaced. That works. Um, how many of you know both sides need to come together? Proverbs 15 23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, oh, how good it is. There's a sensitivity, a tact that comes in with speaking the truth and love that both of us need to learn. The truth maybe needs to you know, soften it up a bit, make it a little more palatable, think about timing issues and the love side. Well, maybe, yeah, wisdom in, in bringing the truth to bear on the situation for the sake of that person before they have a disastrous train wreck. And so it all comes together and we need to learn how to do that well. But the bottom line is we need to be able to speak the truth and have that honest conversation. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, to be honest with you, have you ever stopped and thought, wait a minute, what do you mean to be honest with me? You haven't been honest with me? Or, or, or they say, you know what, I'm gonna be honest with you now. You ever think, well, now you're going to be honest with what, what were we just, I don't understand what's going on here. I know we've all said that expression, you know, it's, and we mean it harmlessly. It's not like we're trying to lie to somebody, but really when you think about it, it's kind of like saying, hey, by the way, I've been lying to you this whole time. Now I'll tell you some truth. Might as well just say it that way, right? No, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> I know it's funny. How, it's funny how we talk sometimes, but look how honest God takes honesty. Look how He takes honesty to to this place that's so hard for us to go sometimes. James five sixteen confess your trespasses to one another your sin and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why confess your sins not just to God and why do I got to talk to somebody else because of accountability and humility bring deep freedom to our life especially when we've given place to a spirit of deceit that needs to be exposed because that spirit works on us in the dark. It makes life really hard and it, we become this punching bag when we're trying to deal with something all by ourselves in the dark with it's just us and hell. And it's hard to win. God says bring it somebody else in that can help you and hold you accountable and you can be honest with. And it changes everything. Because in order to take that next step you still got to be honest with yourself first. I need help. I'm losing this battle. That's deep honesty. And then we go to the next step. Again, I say you can't help people that are dishonest. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not correct the scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Wise men and women will receive truth and will walk in truth. Now, before we go any further, we have to touch on the root of dishonesty. What is the root of all this? Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 6 and 8. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips, and all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. Crooked or perverse, deceptive words, lies, what is that? Where did that come from? Well, Jesus gives us a clue here. We look at John chapter 8. Let's go there. Verse 42, 44. He's talking to the religious leaders of his day. So Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he has sent me. Why do, you under, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources. Other translations would say of his own native tongue, for he is a liar and a father of lies. anytime, Anytime the devil speaks, it's a lie, it's a lie. And when we are dishonest, we have to understand that Jesus is the fountain of truth, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, but the devil is the fountain of lies. And when we are dishonest, we are coming into agreement with the father of lies, the devil who speaks lies, that's his native tongue, and when we participate in dishonesty, we are allowing that spirit to partner, we are partnering with that spirit and allowing it to speak to, we're allowing the devil to leverage our tongue to fulfill his agenda and purpose. That's a pretty serious deal. That's why this is so critical. That's why when people walk in deception and marriage and everything else and, and truth is destroyed, there's nothing to stand on. There's no foundation. They're like, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't, we can't survive this because there's no truth. You got to come back to truth so you got something to stand on. Jesus is the truth. And the Bible is the truth and it has absolutes. And that's why we can stand in this age of deception and all the stuff going on around us. We're the ones standing firm on some absolutes. Truth to live by. Now, that brings us to I will be honest with God. I'll be honest with myself. I'll be honest with others. And I'll be honest with God. Can you imagine how God feels when we're dishonest with him? Let's just say you blew it really bad last week. And you've talked to God three or four times since, but you never brought up, you never brought up the issue where you blew it. He's just kind of like, I don't want to bring that into our conversation. Let's just kind of, I'll deal with that. God doesn't really need to, I don't want to, I just don't want to muddy the waters. It's like, have you ever had a child stand before you and they're holding something behind their back? And you're like, what do you got behind your back? Nothing. And you're like, Come on, I'm smarter than you. You're five years old. What's behind your back? <laughs> I, I think that's kind of how God feels in a sense. And here's the amazing thing. He already paid for it. God already paid for what's behind our back. We're like, no, God, I'm not going to bring this out in the open. He's like, oh, I already paid for it. It's already dealt with. He already knows about it. He knew it already and he's, You can't hide anything from him. He already paid for it in full, but we won't tell him about it. And the danger about that is we're teaching ourselves to be dishonest with God. And not only that, we're giving place to pride because pride says, I don't need to bring God in on this. I'll take care of this myself. I got this. God's like, you don't have this. You already blew it before you, I mean, you messed up way back. You don't have this. light has you. See, that's where the exact opposite needs to happen where we bring it to God because we need to bring him into the equation if we're going to be free. We have to. Because he already knows about it. Um, what if I came to you and said, you know, I'm really concerned about something. And you're like, well, what's that? Well, I just don't really uh, have a desire to read the word like I used to. And you say, well, you really need to go talk to God about that. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't really want to tell him. And your response is, well, I, I think he might have just heard you tell me. You're, you know, it sounds silly, but we, 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 do, we get into this routine, and, but God already knows. Now let's look at Psalms 32 because this is such a powerful time in David's life where he was crushed by sin, yet he confessed. Psalm 32, 1-5 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Whew, I get it. Notice it says, uh, present tense, is forgiven, is covered, and also past tense, covered, forgiven. It's all done. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Having given place to the spirit of deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all day long for the day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into st- The drought of summer, I acknowledge my sin to you, and in my iniquity, I have not hidden. I said, I will confess. I'll be honest with God of my transgressions and sin. To you, Lord, I will be honest. And you forgave the iniquity, the sin. Wow. What's he saying? Until I confessed it, I felt really horrible. I was dried up. My strength was gone. I had no peace, no joy until I confessed. What kept them from confessing? The answer is in verse 2. In whose spirit there's no deceit. See, violating this commandment that we began with uh, to not lie or be dishonest affects our body and our soul and our spirit. Now, in order to hate someone or have an idol in your heart or to give in to sexual sin or whatever it may be, you have to be deceived. There has to be some deceit working. You have to be there, there's some deceptivity. And this is what happens when we're dishonest. We, we are deceived in our spirit. We've come into alignment with the spirit of deception, that root. And we get deceit in our spirit. So why bring it out in the open? Be honest. Be fully transparent. Be vulnerable with God and others because that is the greatest freedom you'll ever receive. It's like the linchpin. God is saying, I want you to be honest with yourself so you can be honest with others and be honest with me. And when you do that, there is a freeing principle that that will unlock your future in your life. A freeing principle that you allow in. By being an honest person. You know, John chapter 8, Jesus said, And you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So our first step of freedom is to believe the truth that Jesus, Jesus embodies the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Truth's in his word. You know, we got the Bible. God has been speaking truth to us for a long time. God's word is truth. We have his very words. He communicates truth to us continually. He speaks to us even today through the truth of his word. And it's not, not what, because of what I think or what the smartest person in the room can come up with, but it's simply because God is being honest with me through his word. And that's where life change can happen. Oh, the worship team come out. So he asked me to be honest with him in return because truth sets us free. None of us want to be enslaved to be dishonesty. None of us want to be enslaved or brought down by anything. We don't want to walk around bogged down, weighed down, burdened down by what we've been doing. We all want to be happy and joyous and free and full of peace. And the answer is not in anything I can generate from within myself. The answer only comes through truth in my life. Truth from Jesus. And when I respond to God's truth, that's when his truth explodes inside of me and breaks off that which has been weighing me down. That's why he says, you can be free, you will be free indeed. Otherwise you remain enslaved. Trusting in the truth brings freedom like nothing else. That's how we got born again. Big time freedom. Free indeed. This is serious stuff. That's a huge statement. The beauty of this is wherever you're at in life, wherever you're at in your journey, God loves you where you're at. And when you receive his truth, even in that moment, something powerful happens. That's what happened when we got born again. The Bible says, there is no one righteous. All have sinned. We've all fallen short. We were all enemies with God, separated from him. We had no hope but Jesus. And we all had to come to terms with that, that honest moment with God the day you got born again. And when that happened and you said yes to Jesus, yes to truth, his life exploded in you and you, bam, became a new creation just like that. And as truth lodged itself inside of you and begins to work itself out and it begins to address everything in our soul. And begins to change our hearts from the inside out. And you could be walking with God for 30 years, living by his truth. And one day, the light goes on and you discover another area of your soul that has a little bit of darkness in it. A little gray over here. And you go, oh, I never saw that before. Jesus, Jesus says, I know. But today's the day I wanted to reveal it to you. It's time. And you don't walk around all guilty and shame on me. You rejoice. Say, Thank you, Jesus. New revelation. Oh, you're taking me from glory to glory. I'm becoming more like you every day. I've been walking with you 30, 40 years, and you're still showing me stuff. Your truth is still working in my life. And let me tell you something. The truth that you have now, you are accountable for. You're accountable for it. That's why it's so dangerous for people who have been serving Jesus for so many years and then all of a sudden walk away. That person is accountable for the truth that they know and they have received. And there should be the fear of God on that life. One day we'll stop and say, My God, what am I doing? I'm accountable for what I know. I must turn back. And, that's, and God is faithful to do that because that truth will chase them down and will speak to them their whole life. You can't run from truth can't, once you've got it in you. Amen? It's powerful. And we are the people of truth. We are to live by truth. And Jesus is the fountain of truth. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and the way, the truth, and the life. And aren't you grateful that you have Jesus, the truth, living in you today. Guiding you. Showing you the way. Giving you ongoing revelation. That will continue until the day you die and meet Jesus. And you see Jesus who embodies truth face to face and then you'll be complete but until then we're a process so enjoy the journey and drink in the truth and allow truth to do its work in your life thank you for listening for more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect visit us at churchak.org or download our church on the rock ak app from either itunes or google play